You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Okay. Does it work better that way? All right. First uh, Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three, and and really, I want to talk about being set apart because the Bible says in verse twenty-three, and the very God of peace sanctify you. So that's the the, the emphasis here that the very God of peace sanctify you holy. With as you can see there, W H O L L Y, holy, completely. What do you mean by that? Well, he goes on to say, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll emphasize this hopefully to close the message tonight. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. I'm praying God's going to sanctify you holy. I pray God that your spirit will be sanctified. And, and, the, and the order here matters. I pray, God, that your spirit is sanctified. I pray, God, your soul is sanctified. I pray, God, that your body is sanctified. Well, you know, when you think about this, we see the triune nature of man. We see much uh, in nature, of, of, of nature of the Trinity. With your body, think about your body. So we're talking about body, soul, and spirit. With your body, you have physical life. Physical relationships. Through our bodies, we know the physical world. So you could say, with our bodies, we can know that which is around us. Uh, where the Bible says, Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love, love uh, him. You may not think that fits in here because you think, Oh, it's just such a beautiful verse about heaven. I love that verse. Well, that verse isn't about heaven. Uh, it's saying that God has some things prepared for you and I that are connected with what he's saying here in our spirit. Because he's saying, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard. So basically he's saying we can't experience all that God has for us through, through the body. We can experience much of God through the body though, can we not? I mean, remember, consider the heavens. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy hands. So our eyes are a part of our bodies. We're able to look at the stars and look at God's creation. And we're able to feel the things that God has made and hear the beauty of, of creation and through our hearing and so forth. We're able to speak. But the world, so think about the world beneath us with our body, with our soul. The Bible says, I have not seen, uh, ear hath not heard, but also has neither entered into the heart of man. That's a reference to the soul. And so the soul, through the soul, we have uh, psychological life. The Greek word for soul is psyche. It's the word we get psychology from. Psyche, uh, and, and so with your soul, you have psychological life, as it were. The soul is the self, the ego, the I, the me. The soul is really who we are. I mean, you know, we're not what you see on the outward. The soul is who we are 
in true essence. The body is just kind of a vehicle that we have that we carry around with us. Now, so we have the body, we have the soul. And I started off without meaning to bringing out of this verse about eyes not seen nor ear heard. So I'll just continue with that. Uh, but it says, eyes not seen, neither ear heard, or ear hath not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love, love them. But then the very next verse says, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. And what he's talking about there is this intimate knowledge and relationship that we can have with God. That's revealed through the Spirit. You think about a tree, we don't think of it this way maybe, but you could say in a sense that a tree has a body. In other words, it's got an outward existence. There's many things around us physically in the material world that we could say, maybe not in the sense of our body, but there's a, there's a physical presence there. But there's not a soul. Animals have a body and a soul, arguably, to an extent, but they don't have a spirit. Only man has a spirit. Only man has a spirit. We have a body, soul, and spirit. So with our body, we can know the world beneath us. With our souls, we can know the world around us. But with our spirit, we can know the world above us. Amen? When your body is right, you're healthy. When your soul is right, you're happy. But when your spirit is right, you're holy. You're holy. And that's kind of what's being emphasized in this passage. Because God gives it in a reverse order, doesn't He? He says, I pray God that, that your whole spirit, soul, body. What we're seeing there is God is working from the inside out. He's talking to these people who are already saved by the grace of God. And He's saying, I'm wanting to do a work in your heart from the inside out. When you start with the outward, the inward suffers. When you start with the outward, the inward suffers. So in other words, you think about this. In other words, you could put it this way. We, we talked about this a little bit on Sunday. We conform from the outside, but we're transformed from the inside. We conform from the outside. Pressure from the outside is where conforming comes from. Transformation comes from within. And then it then eventually affects the outside, affects the outward man. And so there's just a little diagram here that we shared. We uh, speak about this a lot, but it's, it's just good to have an understanding of what's going on. Because think about it for a moment. For as a general rule, we know how we ought to live. We know how we ought to act out here. You know, in the body. We, we know what how we ought to be presenting ourselves on the outward side. How we ought to act, how we ought to speak, how we ought to conduct our business, whatever it may be. And so we can conform to that. But what, hap what can happen is, if you remember the Pharisees, the Pharisees had it all together on the outside. I mean, down to their clothing. They had it down pat. But Jesus said, but man, on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You've got crummy attitudes, and, and, and so when we think about the soul, who you really are, the soul includes your conscious, uh, your conscious mind. It's your thinking. It's your reasoning. Uh, it's your will. It's your choices. It's your subconscious mind. Beliefs, attitudes, feelings, emotions, and memories. And we have this outward, and the way generally our soul is affected is from the outward world. 
Because before we're saved by the grace of God, this, the, the spirit of man, what, what did, uh, this is one question, what did God mean when he said to Adam, the day you eat of that fruit, you're going to be dead? Adam did not kill over and die. I believe it's revealed in Ephesians chapter 2 where the Bible says, And you hath he quickened, which is to be made alive. You hath he made alive. That's where we experience the resurrection power of Christ. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And he says, wherein, you know, in time past you walked according to the course of this world. You were being influenced from the outward. outward. You walked according to the course of this world. Uh, and, and you were, you know, following in disobedience to this world. And then the children of wrath, and it goes on through there in Ephesians chapter 2. So spiritually, he's not talking about people who are dead physically. Paul in there in Ephesians 2, he's not talking about people who are dead in their souls. But he's saying there are some people who are dead spiritually. And when we're born again, the Spirit of God brings to life, quickens our dead spirit. And that's where there's a resurrection that takes place when we're born again because now we have spiritual life. And the moment we're born again, we've got a new life. We've got a new spirit. And the, the spirit, our spirit is made alive. And it's this spirit that allows us to communicate with God. You know, I mean, you could, uh, I, I, I'm going to, I was going to try to use an illustration that I was just pulling uh, out of my memory, and it's about like Wi-Fi and stuff. But it's kind of the idea of that, you know. Uh, there's Wi-Fi in here right now, right? But you've got to have special equipment in order to access that Wi-Fi. And it's kind of the same thing with people. With, without, the, without our spirits being alive, we can't have access to God. He's here. He's present. We can see what He's done. We can learn what He's done. But we can't really know Him without the, our spirits being quickened, our spirits being made alive. So that's what happens in salvation. So God wants to transform us from the inside out. This is why there's so much emphasis on spiritual virtues. Because all of our lives we've been influenced just by whatever has gone on on the outside. And then based on that, we've developed certain ways of thinking. We've developed our worldview and things of that nature. All that's been developed. But what happens is what you find out when you get saved, and even maybe even before you get saved, if you start reading the Word of God, you find out that what we were maybe thought or are thinking is contrary to the way God teaches. So then you've got a decision because once you get saved and you're, you're saved by the grace of God, renewed in your spirit, God wants to give you information from the inside. So we emphasize prayer. We emphasize getting in the Word of God. We don't just get in the Word of God again to conform to the outside and say, Yep, I've done it. I read my Bible today. Good, I, I got my duty. That's religion, right? I got my religious duty done. I said my little prayers. Off I go. No. And we don't encourage you to be a part of the church and be under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God so that we can have you here and so that you can just be here and so that somebody fills your seat. No, it's because the teaching and preaching of the Word of God is, is feeding and strengthening and, and giving information to us spiritually. And as we do that, it begins to help us go back to something we've been teaching and preaching on a lot. It helps us when we go to the spiritual warfare aspect of things 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. So we've got these thoughts in our soul, in our mind, our subconscious mind, our conscious mind that we battle with. But God's trying to give us information through the Spirit. And yes, we get it through the ears, I understand that. But it comes through the ears, comes through the eyes. But it, it, it feeds and strengthens us spiritually speaking. <clears throat> so God's goal is for us to live a life that's motivated by a life of the Spirit. That's what it means to be spiritual. I alluded to this a little bit on Sunday during the Sunday school hour, but that's one of the reasons that I said that there was a time in my Christian life, and there's probably been more than one time in my Christian life, to where I've had the outward looking right, acting right, speaking right, everything looking good on the outside. But then I've been proud of how holy I was. I've been proud of how I start maybe start comparing myself and I'm like, well, man, I'm, I know I'm not perfect or anything, but I'm living better than him. I'm, I'm keeping the rules that I know to keep. I'm doing pretty good. And I mean, I, I hate to admit that I've ever been in a place like that, but I can remember really specifically being in a place like that, especially in my early Christian life. That's not spiritual. And that's why, that's why you've got to be careful with people and even ourselves when we put too much emphasis on the things that we do being spiritual. Now, we do spiritual things with our bodies, don't get me wrong. But just because we're doing something that looks spiritual don't mean it's spiritual. Because you can do it through carnality. In the same section I was referring to earlier there, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians about, you know, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. If you read there around that, there's a couple chapters around there that begin to introduce us to these thoughts about, it talks about the natural man. Then it talks about the carnal man. Then it talks about the spiritual man. And the natural man is just a man who is just still in the same nature that he was born in. Just that natural state, body, soul, spiritually dead. But it refers to a carnal man. Now a carnal man is someone who is saved, they're spiritually alive, but they're not being led by the Spirit of God. They're still being led by the things from the outside. And again, it could be gross immorality, or it could be religious pride. And I find it striking, do you not, how Jesus dealt with... How did You think about how Jesus dealt with people in gross immorality versus how He dealt with people that were living right. To the T. Nobody was living more right than the Pharisees. He treated these people that were in immorality with mercy. He didn't condone their sin. But what he did is he loved them and he had mercy on them. But I'm telling you what, he didn't have a lot of time for that religious crowd, did he? He didn't. So carnality doesn't, not, doesn't just have to be, you know, and worldliness is not just, because that's really kind of another term for carnality, worldliness is not just, uh, oh, you're not lining up on the outside just right. It's not just about what we're doing on the outside. Um, so, we're, we're supposed, so being spiritual is when we're living through the power and the direction of what God's doing in our spirit. This liberty in Christ compels us to go further than the letter of the law. So as God works in our spirit, in, from our spirit into our soul, then out through our body, what that allows us to do is go further. Because here's the thing about living spiritually versus living carnally. 
We can live pretty carnal keeping the, and still be keeping the rules and still be carnal. I already said that already, okay? F please forgive my scattered thoughts here. I realize now that I'm talking that my thoughts on paper might not be, they might not be as communicated as well as they were in my mind, so just bear with me. But the idea that through, if, if we're living a spiritual life, that means we're being motivated by the Spirit, led of the Spirit. The Bible says when we're being led of the Spirit, we're not under the law. Now, is the law of God bad? And when we talk about the law of God, listen, don't get mixed up on the law. We, we are not, uh, there are dietary laws, there are society laws that all apply to the Jews that do not apply to us today. There's some of the law that still applies to us today. Can you think of anything of the law of God that would still apply to us today? The Ten Commandments, uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, covet, you know, on down the line there. I believe, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. If you study that, that's a sign of the covenant. There's nothing uh, moral or immoral about the, the keeping or non-keeping of the Sabbath day. But those commandments, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with those. But the point that I'm trying to live by is that God wants to sanctify us through our spirits, our souls, and then our bodies. Um, think about living by the letter of the law. What does the law say... I mean, was it the letter of the law that made y'all stay in the hospital there in Des Moines? Could you have left, really, without being arrested? I think so. I mean, we, I can go by the letter of the law with my kids, and I, I think I could skip every ball game, and I don't think I'd get locked up for that. Uh, I don't think I have to have birthday parties. I don't think I'd get locked up for that. I don't think I have, would have to tell the kids I love them in the morning and, and uh, you know, try to send them off with a hug and a blessing every day. I wouldn't get arrested if I didn't do that. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure what the law concerning my kids even is. But I'm telling you right now, I'm pretty sure that I'm not in danger of breaking that law. Because the law of love goes so much farther. And that's the thing that we've got to understand as God's people is that the law of grace, love, spiritual, when God's working through our spirit from the inside out to sanctify us, it goes further than... And you say, you sure about that? Yeah, it's what Jesus said. It's, in, in one way, it's more convicting. Did you know that? The law of love can be more convicting because Jesus said it this way. It's about the heart. He said, hey, you know, the law said thou shalt not commit adultery... But what I'm telling you is if you look on a woman to uh, commit, uh, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you commit adultery already in your heart. You know, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. In other words, God's, he's addressing the need of the heart. But then what did he say? He said, you know, if somebody tries to take your uh, uh, coat or your cloak, offer me your coat also, or vice versa. And if, if you're compelled to go a mile, go two miles. That's what grace does. That's what love does. That's what true biblical, biblical liberty does. False liberty leads people back into sin and immorality. That's not biblical liberty. Biblical liberty leads us further. It leads us beyond. Because one of, one of the most drastic... This is honestly, you know, I talk about my background and some of the pharisaical ways that maybe I emphasized uh, overly. And when you, you set these... What you do, you set these certain rules that make you right with God or not. And, you know, the preacher will let you know it all the time. This, you're right, and I don't believe you're right with God with that. And you got these rules. But the, here's something about those rules. How many of you know that those rules that are put forth in churches can be kept? I've kept them. And when you keep them, 
then you're good. Then you get to be proud. And you know what's even better than that? You get to judge those suckers that don't keep the rules. That's the really fun part. You get to cast judgment on them. You get to make fun of them, you know, for, uh, for, for their shortcomings. or what, And I'm being, sorry, I'm being facetious right there. But I'm telling you, there's something about our wicked human nature that goes to that stuff. Because it makes us feel better about ourselves that we're putting others down because we're spiritual. But there's a problem with that. What these rules do is they set a ceiling. They set a ceiling. In other words, if you get there, you've got it. You're good. But if, but if my goal is to be like Jesus Christ, what is my ceiling? I don't have a ceiling. So, and I don't, have to, I don't have time to compare to anybody else. Well, I've done more for God this month than anybody else. I don't have time for that. Because I haven't done more for God than Jesus has done for me. So I don't have time to compare. I don't have time for comparison. I don't have time to think about who's, doing, who's here and who's doing what and who's not doing what. And who's volunteering and who's not volunteering. Obviously, I encourage people to volunteer. But as far as my service goes, it's like I don't have time to be comparing myself to anybody when it comes to any of those things. Because... I don't have a ceiling. My ceiling is Christ, and that being the case, man, sorry, I don't have time to be, uh, you know, I don't have time to be coming and looking underneath your porch or on your porch to see what you need to get cleaned off. I've got a lot on mine I need to take care of. I, I don't have time to come to your house and inspect it to see if everything's right there. I've got work on my house to do, you know, is the analogy that I'm trying to make there. So uh, laws and rules have their place, but it's important that we recognize that they come up really short. Um, and so what does this have to do with being set apart? Because God wants to sanctify us, sanctify us, set us apart spiritually from our spirit to our soul to our body. God is the one who sanctifies. Now, going all the way back to chapter 4 into chapter 5, these two chapters have a lot of things that God is telling us to do. But now he's revealing to us how they're going to get done. They're going to get done as our spirits are set apart for God. As our soul is set apart for God. And then as our body is set apart for God. But when, when, when I start with understanding my spirit is set apart. So let me, let me give you a couple things about sanctification here tonight. Being set apart. Another New Testament word is separation. We believe in biblical separation. We believe in biblical sanctification. Number one, I want to give you uh, three basic elements of our sanctification. Number one is positional sanctified. Uh, I am saved and I am sanctified. Are you? I'm saved and sanctified. The answer is yes. Because you can't be, if, if you're saved, you are sanctified. Positionally. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 says this, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We're sanctified through what Jesus did. Verse 14 of that same chapter says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Well, who's sanctified? Well, if you went back to verse 10, it's those who are saved. You are sanctified. So by the atoning work of Jesus Christ, God rescues all believers from the dominion of sin and spiritual darkness, and He places us into the new dominion of His righteousness and spiritual light. Believers also receive a new nature at salvation. 
So we are positionally sanctified because the moment we are saved, we're set apart. I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I am no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I'm no longer lost. I'm no longer condemned. I'm no longer on my way to hell. I've been sanctified. Therefore, that's why the Bible calls you and I saints. If you're saved, you are a saint. And somebody says, well, man, I don't know. I don't feel like much of a saint. Well, it don't matter how you feel. If you're saved, you've been sanctified, which means you are a saint. Positionally speaking, God imputes Christ's righteousness to believers so that He sees them not as sinners, but, but as those who are sanctified, covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and again declares us to be holy. So there is, number one, positional sanctification. Number two, there is prospective, prospective sanctification. What I mean by that is this. Through my spirit today, God gave me a new spirit. He gave me a new nature. He get, there, there's a part in me that is wholly set apart, will never sin. But then I got this old body, and I've got this old nature. And guess what? I still sin. But one day, there's a perspective, there's a prospect ahead. Speaking of sanctification, and that's when I get a new body. <laughs> that's when I get a new body. That's, that's, when, that's when everything is set right. So there's prospective sanctification. We read about that in Ephesians 5, 26. The Bible says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Philippians 3.21, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is even able even to subdue all things unto himself. So there's the sanctification we look forward in the future. But then there's our present sanctification, which is a progressive sanctification. Any progressives in here tonight? Well, hopefully you're being progressively sanctified, all right? It's a progression. It's a process in which believers strive by the Spirit of God's power to be more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So there's a progressive sanctification. Sanctification is the ongoing spiritual process by which God increasingly sets believers apart from sin and moves them toward holiness. That's what, we're, that's what God's been trying to do in us ever since He saved us. Right away, we're sanctified. We're saints in Him. Right away, we have the future prospect of, you know, being totally and completely changed. In the meantime, we have the battle. You know, we have the body, soul, and spirit. And we have the old nature trying to pull us one way. We have old thoughts trying to pull us one way. And we have God trying to lead us into another way. And, God's, and, and the goal is, is that we learn by the grace of God, not by outward compulsion... But from inward, we grow spiritually to where we, I guess you could say it this way, when God works His sanctifying work from the inside out, 
If my spirit is sanctified and I'm growing in Christ and I want to be more like Him, and then all of a sudden that begins, that from what's going on in my spirit is what begins to affect my soul. And then now my thoughts are not thoughts from without like, oh man, i got to do better, i got to do better, i got to do better. You ever thought, think like that? I mean, we all probably think we could do better, right? But here's the thing. i I, I got to think about this for a second. Because God got a hold of my heart about this with myself, I mean, fairly recently, within the last year or so. I'm just thinking, oh, man, you really need to be doing this, Jesse, and you you, you, you got to be. And uh, But God convicted me and, and with this truth. You do what you do because you are what you are. So if I'm having a problem with what I'm doing or not doing, i got to pause and ask the question, that's just a light on the dashboard. You know, that, that, that's, a, that's a check engine light. And says, well, wait a second. Why am I not doing what I ought to do? Or why am I doing something I ought not do? Why, why, why? It's not, oh, man, just start doing better, buddy. It's like, wait, why aren't you doing better? Why am I thinking like this? Where, why, why did I get this in my mind that this is the way to do or this is the way not? Why, why, why did I let my thoughts, I've been thinking this. I've been thinking wrong. And, and so I start working myself inside. It's like, man, I haven't been listening to the Spirit. I've been, I've been listening to the flesh. And I'm not being empowered and sanctified through the Spirit. I'm trying to conform from the outside rather than be transformed from the inside. And so it's a thing of saying, Lord, and, and honestly, this is where, uh, you know, some time ago, and you've heard me say it a lot here recently, this is where a lot of my intentionality to praise God, magnify God, uh, spend more time with God in just praising Him. Because for I, I got very uh, duty-oriented. All right? And what I mean by that is that I got very, very heavy on, oh, man, you got to do, you got to do, you got to do. And it's like, wait, praise God first. You know, feed from your spirit. Why are you doing this? Because, man, I tell you, you want to get burned out. You want to get burned out. By the way, you can get burned out even when you're trying to walk through the Spirit. I, I heard, I mean, I, I about stood up in a preacher's meeting. I've come pretty close to it. I don't know how close I came to it. I can't remember if Ryan was there or not. But, uh, but the preacher stood up, and he just he basically said that, uh, that, you know, I hear people get these preachers talk about getting burned out. Bless God, you get Spirit-filled, you'll never burn out. And I'm like, you're a liar. And you're misleading these people. I mean, this dude's like a big shot at a Bible college that some of y'all know about. And I'm like, come on, dude. Uh, like, what are you talking about? Because even if you're trying to live through the Spirit, you could still take too much on. You could still not be taking care of yourself. You know? And, and so, and, and anyway, that bothers me. But what I'm saying is, still, we need to make sure that we're allowing God. To, we, are, we do what we do because we are who we are. Paul had a prayer for this sanctification in this same letter of Thessalonians. Look at chapter 3, verse 11, where the Bible says, Now God Himself and our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. So you can really see all, you can see two sanctifications in there for sure. But what he's praying for is that, man, this progression, 
getting closer to God, loving one another more, caring more for one another. I mean, just from the heart. You know, I mentioned the word separation earlier. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He tells us to be separate, to be set apart. This is our will. We must do this. We set ourselves apart from the world. Now, some people take the extreme of this, don't they? They're on the outward side. They're religious people that are focused on the outward. So what do they do? The most extreme, go live in like the... Um, yeah, yeah, what would you say? He said something. You know what he's talking about. The Amish, uh, perhaps. And then, uh, but that, 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 that's definitely an extreme. Uh, and I was thinking of the monks. What do you call the things that monks are in? Monasteries, uh, right? They're just going to separate themselves, isolate themselves. Why? Because they're so focused on the outer. God didn't call any of us to be monks, and he didn't call any of us to be Amish. Uh, he called us to be in the world, but not of the world. Jesus was among the people. We're supposed to be among the people. So, separate from the world doesn't mean that we go live in a monastery. Or, you can go live in the country if you want to, but you can still have electricity and hang out with people, you know. Uh, but so, so, the world. Separate from what? And by the way, it's interesting. I've got a lot of by the ways in my preaching, don't I? But it really is interesting. I know people, if they really just followed their philosophy to its logical conclusion, they would be Amish. And really, maybe they'd just move back over to Israel and be wearing robes and stuff too. I don't know. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. Separate from the world, separate from worldliness. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. Now he goes on to describe it. What's the world? What's he talking about? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Worldliness is basically adopting a worldview of a society that leaves God out. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's just the world we live in. It doesn't mean that these are bad people. It's just people who don't know God, therefore they leave God out. Now this may lead to some pretty bad people, but most of the people we know aren't terrible people. They just don't know God. So they make ter they're, they're living by the lust of the flesh. What are the desires of the flesh? They do that. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, that's all they have. All they have. But, and, and you know it's interesting, isn't it? You can see and you can read the care of God even in this topic of sanctification. He says the world passes away. He said these people are investing their whole lives on stuff that's just going to be gone one day. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever, man. Know God. Put God first. So, so, so worldliness. People in a society having a worldview, adopting a worldview that leaves God out. I heard sin once defined this way. I thought it was pretty interesting. Sin, someone said, is an attempt to meet a legitimate need apart from God. Including God's law and God's timing. So think about that. Sin being an attempt to meet a legitimate need apart from God. Interesting thought. But I, one way I think of it for sure is just... You know, much of what God, I mean, we, we talk about this a lot. The most obvious thing, uh, is it just most obvious or am I, do I just have issues? 
But I feel like the most obvious thing, the Bible does talk a lot about sexual immorality. The Bible talks about a lot about relationship between a man and a woman. I already mentioned where Jesus warned about adultery. It's a pretty uh, prominent warning when the Bible gives a list of the warnings of the last days. Uh, I'm trying to justify myself for not being weird about always going here, okay? But I believe I'm right in doing so. God is the one who created and put the desire within uh, man to be attracted to woman. God put that there. But God has a certain way to go about it that's going to lead to blessings in life. Right? Uh, but apart from God, I, I, I read this somewhere today, I don't think I put it in the outline, but apart from God, people, honestly, there's, there, there's not much of a step between the way many people in the world treat this God-given, wonderful, beautiful gift that God has given of sex they treat it much like just the animals do. It's just, it's, it's, it doesn't mean a whole lot. And even the, the sad thing is, there's whole relationships that are based on this. When God wants our relationships, this is a powerful message I'll try to preach some other time about the home. Our home, husbands and wives, we need to be connected in our spirit and our souls and our bodies. But too many people just got the body part the body aspect of that equation, and I'm telling you, it's just not a, it doesn't add up to a whole lot. Uh, going all the way back to, to the beginning, you see that God began to set people apart, but humans tend to mingle God's ways with the ways of the world. Is that not what Cain, is that what, not ha what happened uh, when the children of Israel went to Canaan? <laughs> God said you need to get rid of those, those uh, countries, those nations that are just, I mean, I, indescribable how wicked and evil these people were toward their children, toward uh, anybody around them. They were murderers. They were incestuous. They were just terrible. Uh, they literally sacrificed their kids. They, they would kill their kids as an offering to the god Moloch. Uh, they, they, it was awful. But God's got a people called Israel. He's, set, he's sanctified them. He set them apart. And He says, I'm sending y'all into that land, but y'all are my people. And you, did you know that before God ever said that the church was going to be the light of the world, Jesus wanted the Jews to be the light of the world? He wanted them to be a light. He wanted them to show forth the praises of God. So they went there. We know God. We have the book of God. We have the presence of God. We're going to be an example of sanctification to this world. But within a couple generations, God's people are offering their babies to the God Moloch. God's people are adopting the ways of the world. And he said, well, I don't know if they're God's people. I mean God's people in the sense that they're the chosen people of Israel. Okay? And the point that I'm just simply trying to make is we live in a time to where that's what human nature, we, we get this great message from God, and I'm trying to go back in my mind to that, that, that we get this great message from God, and God begins to try to, through the Spirit of God and through the Word of God, get through to our minds to where it changes us now on the outside. Our spirit sanctified, and now our soul is sanctified. My thinking, my, so, so the way I think, the way I feel, and what I do, my, my thinking... My feeling and my will is now sanctified by God. 
and now what I do is sanctified by God. That's the goal. That's, that's what it means to be a, live a holy life. That's what it means to be sanctified. But what, what, we, what we can do, though, is as God's trying to work those things out, when, when we get to that area of the soul, we start thinking, well, you know, maybe this or that wouldn't be so bad. And it's where you get the people that just begin to pervert the truth of God's Word. And they just begin to mingle in these worldly, unscriptural principles uh, against the way of God. So sanctification is the pursuit of holiness. Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. He's talking about sanctification there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance. So don't fashion yourselves, don't make yourselves after that outward uh, conforming, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, which is our behavior, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Paul wanted to recognize that ultimately it is God who enables this in our lives. This is possible. Our whole spirit, soul, and body can be sanctified. How do we know that? Because right after he says, I, this is my prayer for you, I love verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. I like what the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord, Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So it's through the work of God's Spirit, God's truth within our spirit that we can be sanctified wholly unto God. You know, I think if I'm, one thing, if I'm trying to get one thing across, this is actually on the Bible app for those of you that, that do the Version Bible app, which I encourage you to do. But uh, a lot of us are connected on there. But there's a book by Carrie Schmidt on there called uh, Stop Trying. Stop Trying. Now that doesn't sound like something a preacher would encourage people to do, does it? Hey, you need to stop trying, Dan. But what's he saying? He's trying to say it's not just about, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. He's saying it's a principle of sanctification. Let God do this work through you. Let God do this work through you. And that's the prayer, this sanctification. Now, there's a striving involved. I already said that. So, I mean, there's a little bit, a little bit of a misnomer. It don't just mean that you walk away and never make an effort toward the things of God. But the goal is that we, again, address more of who are we? Who am I right now? What's, what's keeping you from sin today? Or what's keeping you from, I was going to say, or pride, because that's sin too, isn't it? What's keeping you from pharisaical pride? Or what's keeping you from gross sin? Is that just you holding on, saying, man, if those bars weren't there, I'd break right through? Or is it something greater that's holding on to you? You know, I mean, it's, it's just like with marriage. Uh, you know, I could use that as an example. I don't remember, I, I remember my vows pretty well, but again, if you go into the legal, legal terms, uh, I don't think too much about what my legal obligation is to my wife. I love my wife. It goes beyond that. And, and she does have to say, Jesse, remember, the law says you're supposed to be this because can you imagine living that way? Some of us can't imagine living that way because that's the way we've lived. Hey, you're a Christian. You said you were going to do this. You better do it. If I love my wife, she don't have to be on me all the time about 
loving her, being faithful to her, taking care of her. She don't have to get on me. I, she don't have to beat me over the head with the rules about that because I love her. And so the, so, the, so the motive is that we, you can. It is possible. Blessed is the God. What's that, what's that last verse? Uh, verse 24, what's it say again, 1 Thessalonians? Faithful is he that hath called you, who will also do it. Is that what it says? Faithful is he that has called you, which will also do it. So again, just encouraging you to know that that's the goal. Now, I'm going to try to end, wrap this up with this thought. Where does the law come in then? Where does the law come in? Our lives as Christians ought to be lived beyond rules and beyond the law. Not on this side of it, on this side of it. It goes farther. You do more. You do more. Uh, Dawn, uh, she didn't give me permission, but I think she did. She's nodding right now. She don't know what to say. Here, about soul winning. Just, hey, soul win, soul win, soul win. You better get it. You better get after it. Are you soul winning, Anna? Are you soul winning, Anna? And she, but she says, man, since she's not being beat, beat with the soul winning whip, She's a whole lot more into soul winning these days. She witnesses all the time. Because when you're getting beat with the whip, you just do it as long as you need to, you know. Are you doing this? Are you doing right? Are you doing, okay, okay, I'll do it. But when, you, when your heart's full of love and when you're, but here's, the, here's where law comes in at. What about those, what about those other times? I, I, I've shared this story before and I've, I've got to end with this. Uh, but, 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 but it's just an example, all right. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an easy example to live with so I can, I can share it without it being weird. But it's my hunting example. It's my hunting example. I've known, I, when I was in Pier, we had two game wardens in the church in Pier. And, they, and, and just spending time hunting with those guys, spending time with them, they, always, they would tell me about different stories of catching people. And they'd say, yeah, preacher, you don't think we're out there, but we got the spotting scope and we can see you. All right? So th that kind of puts the fear of God in you, right? Or the fear of the state in you. And uh, so, th so, there I, so, so I'm out hunting. And man, you know, not out killing, out hunting in the cold. All right? And, and I'm set up on this hill, and pretty soon, here comes this nice buck coming around the tree right there. I mean, that thing wasn't 150 yards from me. But there's a problem. Between me and just, it was right at the fence of the other, this other property that I do not have permission to hunt on. The law says I can't hunt over there. And my motivation, Chad, whenever I saw that deer wasn't, you know what, this is against the law. The Bible says we ought to be, you know, respectful to all the ordinances of man. And, you know, it doesn't violate the law of God, so this is a law that I should respect. So, you know what, I love the law so much, I just, I'm not going to shoot this thing. No, I gave it a heart shot, vitals. I, no, I didn't, I promise you I didn't. But I want to tell you the reason I didn't. My only motivation, this is where law comes in. My only motivation is that I could just see old Don saying, Yep, preacher, you don't know we're out there, but we see you. And I just could see myself being spotted through his spotting scope. And I'm just like, doggone it. Law has its place. Okay? Law has its place. Rules have their place. But there's just got to be a balance to it. If that's your only reason you do what you do, what are you doing? You know, I'd hate for that to be the way I live my whole life. Oh, well, I would do that, but man, it's against the rules. No. 
you know, it's like, it's like the guys that, that said <laughs> that, uh, ah, you know, Here I go. I was going to end on one that ain't, ain't weird or whatever, but, I, but I'll end on the weird one. It ain't too weird, but it, it was just the guys trying to get me to go to Hooters. I understand Hooters isn't a strip club or anything, all right? It's a, it's a matter of preference. Uh, but regardless, uh, I, I was working with some guys, and they were trying to get me to go to Hooters, all right? And, uh, and so here I am, and, uh, and they're like, Jesse, we're going to take you to Hooters. I was like, no, nah, man, so I'm not. I, I said, all right, well, we'll just go over here to this other restaurant. We all piled in a van together to go out to eat together. We're going to Hooters, Jesse, uh, you know, and blah, blah, blah. We just was messing with you, man. You're going in there. And I was, I was like, no, nah. I said, that's, that's cool, guys. I was like, you guys can go to Hooters. I said, I'm just going to go across over here, eat, eat over here. You he said, are you that bad off you can't handle Hooters? No, I just would prefer not to, okay? And so I said, uh, said no, that's fine. I said, I'll just go, go across the street and eat over here. And be, oh, yeah, I forgot. Old Jesse, he's, he's religious. He's trying, to, you know, he's trying to please God. He's trying to get to heaven. That wasn't the reason I didn't go. I didn't go because I, I genuinely, no, not to say that there wouldn't be a desire to go. Don't misunderstand me. But at that moment, I'm sanctified in my spirit. I'm sanctified in my soul. I'm sanctified, therefore, in my body. And I'm just like, no, I really don't want to go. I really don't want to go. I've got a wife at home. And if I want to see a woman, I've got a good one to go look at. Right? And uh, that's biblical, isn't it? Amen? What's the Bible say? Uh, the Bible says, uh, what's it say about loving the wife of your youth? I really can't get it. If I get it going, I'll get it. But I know, I know it gets down to this part. I was about to say speaking of Hooters. <laughs> but the Bible says, let her breast satisfy thee at all times. That's what God says. God has a beautiful design for marriage, folks. Uh, and and I'm just, I was just content in that. I'm like, I don't need their Hooters. I'm good, man. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. Let's cut this part off, Christian. <laughs> I hope the kids are really loud. My wife couldn't hear me in the, hear me in the nursery just now. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> if y'all don't remember anything else, you remember that last part, by golly. <laughs> if you didn't get nothing else, I got it, preacher. All right. Um, all right, well, let's dismiss. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and goodness. And, God, I pray that you'll just make sense, God. The principle that I'm trying to get across is a powerful, awesome principle. Um, I don't feel like I communicated it very well, but I did give the truth. And I pray maybe people will look more on it, think more on it, get some clarity in their hearts. Because if people really do dig and get it, God, it's life transforming. So I really pray that you'll help folks to get it and, um, and just uh, help us to uh, just... Be sanctified, holy. Thank, thank you that you've called us and that you're able to perform it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. My goodness.